0: Hey, everyone. It's Hamish from the Young Investors Podcast. Myself and Brandon are excited to bring you your weekly rundown of the latest business and investing news from around the world. Now, a quick reminder before we get into the podcast is that nothing in this podcast should be taken on as personal financial advice. If you're ever unsure about your finances or investing, make sure you reach out to a qualified financial advisor. But with that said, let's get into another episode of the Young Investors Podcast.
1: Hi, guys. Welcome back to yet another episode. Hamish Hodder is joining me as always from sunny melbourne i'm guessing uh it's a cloudy melbourne
0: yeah it's it's, yeah, it's okay it's it's a bit cloudy today but uh, no we've had we've had really good weather but i haven't been outside because i've been sick so um <laughs> that's uh, unfortunate yeah i've got my uh my quarterly my quarterly sickness is um is, is upon me <laughs> it seems weekly so. sickness yeah, more <laughs> <like> <laughs> weekly quarterly sickness. That's yeah generous um, no so um yeah hopefully my voice isn't too bad uh in this episode but um but uh, we'll we'll see how we you go. You sound alright. Okay, that's good. All right. Well, it's, it sounds terrible for me, but um, but sometimes it doesn't come through on the on the microphone. So yeah, hopefully it's okay. Mm. Yeah. How have you yeah. been? Yeah, I've been good. I've been good. Um, about to go to Japan, go skiing
1: for a week, and then I've got that's a right. bucks to go to in Bali. So that's going to be oh, wow. quite the uh, quite the holiday season. So yeah. it, it, the unfortunate thing is it has meant that the last week or so has just been. One of the busiest weeks of work I've had in a long time, but yeah. we're getting through it, and yeah. uh, and it continues right now with the podcast. But <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, no, nah, I don't actually see the podcast as work. I quite enjoy doing the podcast. Yeah. Um, and in this episode, guys, what we are going to be going through, uh, well, we're going to go through the thirteen F filings. Uh, so we're going to look at what the uh what the world's best super investors have been buying and selling. For Q4 of 2023, because we did just get that information. But we're also going to do a bit more of an explainer around the 13F filings, what they are, what are the limitations, where you can find them, uh, so that you guys can um, track this stuff as well, from the comfort of your own home, Hamish. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's that's pretty much what we're going to do. Uh, we got these thirteen f filings released, I think, in the middle of last week as we're recording this. So it's still mm-hmm. relatively fresh news. Uh, we got a lot to talk about. Uh,
0: so with that said, mm. shall we? get going. Let's do it. Today's episode is brought to you by Seeking Alpha, your one-stop shop for stock analysis, market data, and news. Access expert analysis and news for thousands of stocks. View, buy, hold, and sell ratings from members. Wall Street analysts and Seeking Alpha's own algorithm. Screen for stocks using a variety of fundamental and technical analysis metrics. Access 10 years of financial data and company filings. And manage your portfolio by tracking your investments with price alerts so you never miss a buying opportunity again. Click the link in the episode description or head directly to SeekingAlpha.me forward slash young investors to try seeking out for free for seven days. Uh, so go check it out uh, if you haven't already. Um, do you want to start by just taking us through give us a give us a brief kind of overview of what it exactly is what exactly is a 13F filing because some people might not have come across them before um, and understand what yeah. it is and, and why it's interesting for us to to look at them.
1: Yeah, so a 13F filing, um, I've got the actual, the full definition here. A 13F filing is a quarterly report filed with the US Securities and Exchange Commission, so the SEC. Um, so it is a, it's a, an SEC filing. It's a form that these investors have to give to the SEC. Um, and yes, it is given by, uh, written by institutional investment managers with at least a hundred million dollars in assets under management. And what it does is it discloses their equity holdings and can provide insights into what the smart money is buying, selling, or holding. Hmm. Thanks to Google for that, <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah. that marvelous definition. Uh, but what it means is it means that we can look from. 13F filing to 13F filing to see what the world's best investors have been buying and selling during each quarter. Um, Now, technically, we don't actually have to log on to the SEC database because these days there are a lot of websites which just do this for us. We'll talk about that in a little second. So really, it's as easy as logging onto one of these websites and just having a look because they all automatically update to show you what they've been buying, holding, and selling. So it's very, very simple to to have a look at what the world's biggest and best investors and uh, institutional money managers Buying and selling from quarter to quarter. But the catch is there's always a catch, right? The catch is that these 13F filings uh, are due 45 days after the end of each quarter. So Unfortunately, this does limit how much information we can actually take away from the 13F filing. Because it's not like, you know, Warren Buffett stands up and buys a new stock and we immediately get that information. In fact, for the 13F filings that we just got released the other day, uh, he could have made this investment on the 1st of October last year. That's a long time ago. Yeah. Um, and we only would have just learned about it right now. Yep. So there is, a, there is a bit of a, a, um, an issue around um, how much information we can take just because there's such a delay until we get the info.
0: Yeah. And even on that note, there might be something in the 13F filing that they no longer hold. Um, because they might have sold it yeah. after the end of the period during the forty-five days that we have to wait for it to, to for the filing to come out, uh, they could have sold the position. So um, while we do get a snapshot in time, yeah, it's a snapshot forty-five days ago or now about you know fifty-two days ago. Um, so you kind of have to just keep that in mind when we're when we're looking at it. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. For example, Michael Burry is a great example. The investor
1: from The Big Short, he acts. You know, he's a value-minded investor, but he acts more like a trader. Mm. Um, so there's not that much that we can take from his filings because in a lot of cases, by the time he has actually reported the information, he's already bounced out of a lot of these positions that he's held in yep. his portfolio. So the, the, the flip side to that is that an investor like Warren Buffett is very much long-term focused. He loves looking long-term. So there's a, a very strong chance that when we get... Uh, a new buy from Warren Buffett, that stock will stay in his portfolio for an extended period of time. So there is more of a, a stronger signal from a portfolio or a 13F from say a Warren Buffett to like a Michael Burry.
0: Yeah, um, for someone yeah, that's yeah. Sorry, I was going to say is for for someone like Warren Buffett, the 45 day delay is kind of irrelevant. Um, like if you're interested in understanding what he's holding, um, you know, sometimes we might miss things, but, uh, yeah, more or less. Yeah. It's, it's going to give us a, he's probably still holding the stock that he bought, you know, at least 45 days ago. Um. Yeah. so yeah. yeah definitely
1: so there's some of the that's one of the limitations with the 13f filings um, and Hamish I wanted to throw it over to you um, what websites do you tend to look at when you go to analyze the 13f filings
0: yeah I think there's two there's two main ones that I think most people use when they're looking at 13f filings maybe there's other ones if, if anyone else knows uh, other ones that they use more than these um, feel free to let us know in the in the comment section of the YouTube video. Um, but the main one that both of us, I think, use is Data Roma, um, which is basically a, just a pretty simple website that collects. I think what is it about eighty uh, super investors, yep. big institutional investors, um, and, and tracks all of their all of their their US stock holdings. Um, and that list pretty much includes anyone you probably are interested in looking at. Um, it's got most of the big ones, anyone who's, who, you know, you certainly might admire or have read a book from that they're, they're probably on that list. If their, uh, fund or, or company is, is, has more than a hundred million dollars in, in assets under management. The other one that's also useful to use alongside data Roma is whale wisdom. Uh, and the reason why whale wisdom is quite good is because it also shows the options contracts that are held, which data Roma, for some reason, just they, they don't kind of collect that data. So, um, particularly for someone like Michael Borey, who loves to, you know, buy put options and and call options. Um, you'll only see those, you won't see them on data Roma. You'll only see them on, on whale wisdom. So, um, yeah, those are the two main sites that I think most people use these days.
1: Mm, Yep. Um, I tend to agree. There are many out there, but they're the, they're the only two. Oh, and, um, the only other thing we should say as well is that um, because 13F filings are limited to the United States, it's the Security and Exchange Commission filing, uh, it doesn't show us international holdings, whereas there is a company uh, that have a website which is ticker.com which do try their best to add in international filings as well as the 13F filings yes, so that true. you can in some cases get that more complete um portfolio. Um, Okay. The next thing I wanted to talk about um, afterwards, so spoken about what they are, where to find them. What are the limitations? Because there are definitely limitations. We've already kind of spoken about the big one. So the big one, of course, don't need to spend any time of it is that it's delayed. It's 45 day delay. So we can't actually be sure whether they still hold the stocks. um, Once we've gotten the information, uh, so that's a big limitation. There are more limitations, though. Another one, yeah. another really big one is getting caught, and this is very um, psychological, getting caught blindly copying a super investor and then yeah. not knowing what to do. That's the real danger with the 13F filing because it can be tempting, right? You get to see what Warren Buffett is buying and selling, and this can, if you're not super confident or experienced in the market, this can make you want to blindly copy a Warren Buffett. Oh, Warren Buffett just bought Chevron. I'm going to buy Chevron. Yeah. Whereas that's not really the best strategy because of course, sometimes, you know, just say Chevron went down 30% and you're caught holding the stock. That's going to make you feel very uncomfortable. And not it, It'll make you feel like you don't know what to do. And that's not a good spot to be in. Yep. Do you buy more? Do you sell out? Has something fundamentally changed in the business? You won't know. And also, you won't get to see what Warren Buffett thinks until another three months down the track yep. where things could have changed completely. Um, yep. So that's a very big limitation of the 13F filing.
0: Yeah. There's um, there's also a bunch of things uh, that are just not included. Um, cash, for example, you, you don't really get a, an idea of, of how much cash that they have. And another big, fairly mm. important one is short positions. Um, so we, we get really no insight yes. on uh, them betting against a particular company. Um, so we mm. don't really get, you know, some investors will only have long portfolios, only investing in companies, but a lot of investors will have a mix. Uh, so you don't really get a full grasp. That on top of the international holdings, of course, not being there you don't really get a full grasp of, uh, of, of the portfolio. Oh, and also other asset classes as well. You know, this is just a look at equities. So, um, you yeah, know, there's obviously commodities yep. and real estate and other asset classes that could also make up their entire investment portfolio. Mm. Yep. Yep, that's
1: true. You don't get international stocks, commodities, you know, um, don't understand their cash position. So it is, um, you know, you don't understand if they're maybe hedging. Um, so there's a lot of things where it is an incomplete picture. Yeah. Um, you can still take away a lot of information from a 13F filing as long as you understand going in that you are looking at an incomplete picture. Um, because it's still interesting, like you can see, you know, if Warren Buffett drops 10 billion dollars into Coca Cola, like you know, you may you know, he's making an investment in Coca Cola, like this, yeah, there's no way around that, so there there is there is some information you can take away i use it personally as an ideas list i don't use it as i said before as something where oh buffett's buying i better buy as well it's an ideas list for then yeah. you to go on and do further research on but yeah i think that's i think we've covered all the main ones um yeah. just to know that there are limitations to the 13f filings mm. Yeah. Um, and with that said, we will now for the second half of the podcast, let's move on and talk about uh, all of the investors that we follow, and what they just reported in their Q4 2023 13F filings. And should we start with the uh, the granddaddy himself?
0: Let's, yeah. Let's start. Let's start at number one. Start with uh, Mister Mister Warren right. Buffett in Berkshire Hathaway. So we'll start. Yeah, we'll start with Berkshire Hathaway. Um, this one's going to be over pretty quickly
1: though, unfortunately, <laughs> because uh, I love making a video about what Warren Buffett does from quarter to quarter, but this time he just didn't do very much. Yeah. Um, in fact, out of the top 20 stocks in his portfolio, so the really core stocks in his portfolio that we know are definitely Buffett pulling the moves, um, he only did three things. And then the three things aren't really groundbreaking, so I'll run you through them. He reduced a whopping 1% in his Apple position. Shock horror. (gasps) (laughs) Um, And then from there, the only other notable thing is that he continues to add to the oil stocks. So he added 14% to Chevron and 8.74% to Occidental Petroleum. So... Any any insights? Any potential insights around this? To me, I I don't know. Yeah, I think this is a bit of a nothing quarter from Warren Buffett. But
0: yeah, I mean, the, the what's, ap- what's your take? The Apple move is obviously absolutely nothing. There's you can't really read anything into that. He's done he's done very minor trims here and there um, over the last couple of years, uh, quarter to quarter. And oil stocks, I know nothing about oil, so. <laughs> I have no. clearly Buffett likes them, but, uh, I don't have any, um, I don't have any grand insights there.
1: Yep. Neither do I. So unfortunately they're, they're really the three things that he did. The 1% trim in Apple. It's funny that the 1% trim in Apple is still like relatively major compared to all the other stuff, just because Apple is 50% of his U S portfolio. So I find that pretty funny. Um, but apart from that, like some of the other stuff that was in the Berkshire Hathaway uh, 13F was a 32% reduction in Paramount Global. Uh, there was a 77% uh, reduction in HP. There was a 315% addition to Sirius XM, hmm. although these are all so far down the list, it's actually, you, you wouldn't even be able to yeah. bet the house that it was Warren Buffett. No. Um, May probably Paramount and probably HP, but the Sirius XM, not sure. And just one other thing, when I scroll to the page, there were one, two, three, four complete sales. So he or Berkshire Hathaway completely sold out of uh, DR Horton, Markel Group, Stone Co, and Globe Life. But they were all such tiny, tiny, tiny parts of the Berkshire portfolio. I would hazard a guess that that was all Ted and Todd.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, even the Paramount, I would say is probably Ted and Todd. I think everything public that Buffett has said about the streaming or media space has been negative. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't even know if Buffett knows that they oh, own now the <laughs> um, so So yeah, I think all of those smaller positions are um, at Ted and Todd at this point. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's Warren Buffett. Yeah. Uh, who should we talk about next? Um, I can run through a few. I mean, this was a, th- th- there was quite a few uh, people doing, uh, investors doing absolutely nothing. Um, so we can kind of run through maybe some of these fairly quickly or doing nothing or making very minor changes. Guy Spear, um, someone that uh, we, we like to follow, did absolutely nothing. Lu also did absolutely <laughs> nothing. And I think they've done that for maybe <laughs> more than a year. I'm not, ac- not exactly sure, but um, yeah, there's been lots yeah, of inactivity in roughly. Uh, both of those portfolios. Uh, Bill Ackman made a, a couple of kind of minor changes, um, although he didn't really make any major changes to the portfolio. He reduced his Chipotle investment by 13%, uh, reduced Hilton International uh, by 11% and reduced uh, Lowe's uh, by 82%. Um, so that's actually quite a significant um, reduction. But in terms mm. of his, uh, his his big holdings, um, no kind of uh, major yeah. changes. Um, should I talk through... Pabri, um, yeah, Manish do it. Pabrai. I think it, the the most important thing to remember when looking at prabhai is that most of his holdings are outside of the U.S. Um, and, and we know this from some filings, but also just from the uh, what he said specifically. So not obviously through the 13F filing, but um, yeah, most of his holdings are outside the U.S. But within the U.S., uh, last quarter he held three coal mining and supplier coal supplier companies. This Quarter, he still holds uh, those three coal companies, Arch Resources. Uh, he actually tripled the size of the position uh, to become 16% of his kind of US portfolio, $39 million. Uh, Alpha mm-hmm. uh, Metallurgical uh, Resources, he reduced by 10%. Um, that one is 54% of the US portfolio, $133 million. So that's actually you know, a big part of his US portfolio. Uh, and then console Energy, again, another coal company, uh, reduced by 7% to be 15% of the portfolio, $37 uh, million. He did add. So he has his three coal stocks and he added a new stock. Super exciting. Um, uh, I'm, I'm pumped. I-, I wonder what it is. Yep, it's a coal mining company. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he now has four coal mining companies or coal-related companies in his portfolio. This one is Roy- uh, Warrior Met Coal. Uh, which is fifteen percent of the portfolio now. So um, super exciting from um, Prabai, uh, yeah I think he might be interested in coal. I think. I think maybe. I think maybe he, he sees mm. something in the coal space. Um. <clears throat> Do you know anything about coal? Like I, I, I don't really. I wonder what his thesis is around this. I don't know. Um, I mean, Peproy likes often very cheap companies that, you know, maybe don't have a, yeah. a super long-term future, but on a cash flow basis or on an asset sale basis, there's something there, there's some value there. So, um potentially, you know, with this this huge shift away from particularly coal, um but towards renewable energy, potentially in the space there's uh, assets that are, you know, undervalued there. Um as those industries, yeah. that industry is kind of expected to decline, I guess. That would be my guess uh, as a very uninformed uh, yeah. person on the topic. Um, but uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty much all I, I kind of know in regards to that. Um, I tend to agree. Yeah.
1: No, I tend to agree. Um, yeah.
0: so, th- so those are his, um, Sorry. Oh, what else have we got? Yeah, sorry. Just to finish off, Um So those are his US positions outside of the US. This was. This isn't news, but his biggest uh, positions are outside the US. So he has a, a position in a financial services company called Adelweiss, which is $68 million. Uh, Suntech uh, uh, Realty, uh, $52 million, uh rain industry 17 million and then his biggest position is uh racist uh which is uh, a turkish logistics company 153 million um so you know a couple of those companies are way bigger than any of those u.s positions we spoke about so that's something to keep in mind when looking at his u.s his 13 hour filing in his u.s positions yeah it puts things in perspective doesn't it yeah
1: um Okay, well, I will now go on. Let's talk about Michael Burry. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Burry up next, the the, the value-minded day trader yeah, yeah. <laughs> that he is. Uh, there's like there's not that much you can take away from Michael Burry's 13F filings. Um, although he did do three things uh, of note. Firstly, he bought, guess how many, Hamish? 18 new stocks this quarter. 18 new In they come. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, recycle the portfolio. Uh, but
0: uh,
1: yeah, and they're all like, they're all roughly equally. So they're all like three, four, five percent positions in in his in his portfolio now. Um, but two of the stocks that he bought in that bundle uh, are Amazon and Google. And I found this interesting because I don't know about you, but I don't think Michael Burry is one to subscribe to speculative stock rallies. And we've all seen, in fact, we, we know that he doesn't because, you know, as soon as like Tesla goes through a speculative rally, he bets completely the other way and shorts it. So he's definitely not one to go with speculative rallies. And we, I find this interesting because, of course, Amazon and Google, part of the Magnificent Seven, have absolutely skyrocketed into insane territory over the last 12 months or so. So I feel like he he must see something. In Amazon and Google. Personally, I look at them both, and I feel like they're both pretty pricey. But he clearly sees something. Um, not exactly sure what, or whether this is just a purely short-term trade on price movement. But I just can't see him doing that. Um, yeah. Especially when he just doesn't buy into overhyped stocks.
0: Yeah, it's um, um it, it's funny to see because yeah, it was only a couple quarters ago that he had, uh, you know, he was betting against the the Nasdaq. Um, and, and the S&P. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it, it seemed like he was pretty much making a bet that uh, that the, the NASDAQ was overvalued because of the kind of Magnificent Seven hype. Um, and now he owns a couple of them. So, yeah, you can yeah. never quite understand what is going on inside Go Michael Burry's head. Um, yep. Uh, so, yeah, I guess we'll see next quarter if they're still in the portfolio. They probably won't be. They're probably gone. He'll probably be back They're probably short- not there he- he'll anymore. Be, he'll be shorting the NASDAQ again next quarter. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Actually, on on that topic, he actually uh, sold out of a put option position against the S O X X, uh, which is the iShares Semiconductor ETF, of which Nvidia is ten uh, percent holding. Right. So he was uh, he was betting against that, but he has decided to close that one out. Um, and then the other thing that he did, and these are the two largest holdings in his U.S. portfolio. Alibaba and JD.com, two Chinese e-commerce sites, he added about 50% to both of those positions. So they they have, I know he chops and changes a lot, but they have been two of the more consistent holdings throughout the last, say, year or so. So interesting if he's uh, making some sort of longer-term play. I hesitate to say it, but (laughs) based on maybe seeing maybe just sees a lot of value in these stocks because they've been, they've both lost 75% Hamish over yep. the last couple of years. Both of them, they've yep. both lost three quarters. That's crazy. And, uh, obviously a lot of that's got to do with the Chinese macroeconomic kind of position that people just aren't spending money. There's deflation. Um, the Chinese, you know, uh, the CCP isn't doing a lot of stimulus. So, uh, yeah. maybe he's waiting for a turnaround in the macroeconomic environment, but, uh, yeah I, f- I found that interesting and that that is yeah like I say to two of the more consistent stocks over the last little while um,
0: yeah any ideas on that one Hamish um y- yeah no nothing nothing new I-, I was yeah just gonna reiterate yeah he's held those positions at various times uh, over the last couple of years so um it seems like he likes yeah. the business it's just um yeah he's doing his uh his short-term trading to figure out where he wants to own them um as, a, as yep. you know as a part of his broader strategy, which is something that Bury actually does kind of broadly anyway. He kind of seems to have this like list of companies that he, he ducks in and out of. So even though he does change the portfolio a yeah. lot, there's a lot of names that come up fairly frequently that seem like he thinks they're good businesses maybe or, or something and he just kind of trades in and out of them.
1: Yeah. yep, <coughs> I think that is the play.
0: All right, Hamish, what else we got? Um, yeah. The last one I've got here is uh, Seth Klarman, the, uh, the Oracle of Boston. <laughs> as he's uh, <laughs> as, he, as he's called um he he basically again he pretty much did nothing um he he there was a lot of minor moves he has a much um deeper portfolio he likes to hold a lot of companies um he did some trimming and some topping up as he kind of usually does if you've watched his kind of 13f uh, before the biggest change uh, was that he no longer holds a company called Verative Corp, which was previously 10% of the portfolio. So I think it was the second largest position um, in his portfolio. He no longer holds it. It completely sold out. Um so what happened? Well, the company's a, a business-to-business provider of packaging, publishing, and hygiene products. So they sell kind of like those right. disposable food containers for companies that you might see like a salad at your grocery store in, or like disposable cu- coffee cups to to, um, to cafes and that sort of thing. Um, so it seems like a pretty boring kind of <laughs> straight down the line value business. Um, why did he sell? Um, well, he didn't. Uh, so even the, the 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 most active part of the of his uh, 13F was also not him. Um, so the company was just acquired by another business. Oh. Um, so it was acquired uh, by a company, uh, a private equity company called Clayton uh, Doubler and Rice uh, in November of 2023. So it was acquired. And of course it's a private equity company. So they, they uh, the stock went private and, um, So, I thought that was kind of funny. Like, he did absolutely nothing, and the biggest change in his portfolio wasn't even him. Um, So, (laughs) (laughs) that's pretty funny. Yeah. Um, The the only other changes was um, (laughs) he reduced his alphabet position by 23%, so a fairly considerable drop. Um, And it's, uh, but it is still 9% of his portfolio, Uh, $415 million, um, which puts, yeah, Klarman's on a different scale to um, some of the other guys on this list. Obviously not on mm. Buffett scale, but um, he manages a lot of money.
1: Yeah, it's interesting as well. Like that—that's another thing you should consider is the scale. Like we, we talk about all these people because they're all great minds, and we all kind of treat their minds equally. But the scale that they're on with each of their portfolios is a lot different. So yeah, Buffett's in the billions, or in some cases tens of billions of dollars per investment. You Know Klarman here is 415 million. Uh, whereas a Michael Burry, like his two investments in the Chinese e commerce, one was like four million and one was five million dollars, <laughs> full stop. Yeah, and we look at what was Monish Prabri's, he's in, yeah, like 50 um, million, 100 60, million, yeah, 60, 50 million. So, so they're all on different scales. They're all smart people, they're all smart people, but they're all on different scales.
0: Yeah,
1: very interesting. Um, yeah. Anything else for Seth Clum? That's it for for Clum, and yeah, I think it was a
0: fairly, um, it. unfortunately, it was a fairly uneventful thirteen uh, F, which kind of uh, mm. happens from from time to time. Nothing that's um, sticking out at us. Yeah. But uh, there's always next quarter. <laughs> we'll, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll see the one thing that I noted from um, from this
1: this quarter is that on balance there was uh, more, much more selling than there was mm. buying. So when I, when I look to uh, even like looking through the the, the most bought stocks, right? Which is a video I'm making at the moment. And you look at some of the magnificent seven names like the Amazons and the Googles and the Metas and all that. Um... They they still they still make the list for the most bought stocks because you know seven eight nine of the super investors bought them in the quarter. However, when you actually click on that company and look at the full report, you actually see they're also the most sold stocks mm. in the quarter. Interesting. So maybe eight investors buy them here, but twenty over here have sold. So right, yeah, uh, net net there there was a lot of selling um, in this quarter, which makes sense i mean these are long-term focused investors right value-minded you know investors and all we've seen over the last 12 months is a lot of stocks going to euphoric territory so i think it makes sense that on balance they're probably going to be selling more than
0: buying so yeah Yeah. uh,
1: yeah all right that will do us guys that is the 13f filings for q4 of 2023 what the super investors were buying heading into the year uh, thanks very much for joining me as always Hamish no worries uh, that was good yeah. good snappy episode mm. and with that said guys thank you guys very much for the time that you give us listening to these podcasts I hope you're enjoying them I hope you're enjoying the new structure with that said we'll leave it here and we'll see you guys in the next one see you guys